Well, as we kind of wind down the summer and wind up our time that we have spent conversations in the Gospel of Luke, we are uh, at the end of Luke chapter 12 today, a verse of scripture that uh, is probably not very familiar to you, and in a moment when we read it, you'll know why. Let's stand together as we hear these words. I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say, It is going to rain. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky. But why do you not know how to interpret the present time? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, based on the looks on your faces and the furtive glances you cast around the room, you agree with everyone around here the past couple of weeks that this is one weird text to have in worship service. It started a few weeks ago when Ben Turner, who plans uh, the music at, at our services, said, uh, I think you made a mistake. You made a typo on the the text for the Sunday, August 18th. I said, no, that, that's right. No, that, that can't be right. You can't be preaching on that. I said, what do you mean? He goes, nobody would ever preach on that. He said, and nobody ever was inspired to compose music after reading those verses. Then a little later on, Milton comes to me, very serious, wants to know if there's anything we need to talk about. I'm obviously having an issue somewhere in my life and just this past Wednesday night I stuck my head in the door of, of the uh, Milton's group that does communion and prayer and they also study the text for the upcoming sermon and after spending about 30 seconds with them I walked down the hall realizing they probably put me on the prayer list because I chose this text. It is a weird text and it's a hard text. But this Sunday begins a four-week emphasis on discipleship. And Jesus is speaking of the Jesus choice in this text, the beginning of discipleship. And we're reminded when we come across these texts in the Gospels that these hard words do need to be heard because they're there for a reason. They're there to make a point. They're there to make the message even more clear to us. It's 
very tempting to want to skip them and preach on something else. But this call to follow Jesus is a difficult one, and it is a hard call. It is a call that will change our entire lives. To be a disciple is to have our whole life wrapped up in following Jesus. And so we have some hard words. Jesus always wants to make sure people know what they're getting into when they're listening to him preach. We know from our lives that hard words sometimes do us a lot of good, don't we? We know we should watch our weight or exercise or keep our blood pressure under control. We know that and we can go along and go along and go along for years and years until a doctor gives us some hard words. This is going to happen if you don't do this. And suddenly it changes things for us a little bit. We can be in a relationship with someone and going along thinking everything's wonderful in our selfish little ways, not realizing that another person's needs aren't being met, that they're not happy. And then one day we hear some hard words that change everything. Or like in my own life, back uh, many years ago when I was in my 30s, I was appointed by the bishop to a new place, everything that, uh, that to start a new church, and then nothing came through, no funding for it, no uh, partnership with the church that was supposed to start. I was feeling like it was the end of my world. And I began to question whether I was doing what I was supposed to do. And so Melody and I talked about it, and I came from South Louisiana up to Arlington, Texas, to a career counseling center for three days. And I took all kinds of tests, IQ tests and psychological tests, and had all kinds of sessions with the counselor over those three days. We come to the final time before it was over, and I was supposed to go home, and I'm sitting there with my counselor that I'd spent hours with. She has this big file of stuff on me, and she looks at me, and she says, Based on everything I've read and everything I've seen, everything I've heard from you in all of these sessions, it seems to me you just need to grow up. That was a hard word, but it changed everything for me. And it got me back doing what I was supposed to do. And if I'd made a different decision, I would have probably regretted it every day since then. We need to hear hard words sometimes. They do us good. Back uh, 2001, I was appointed to a new church, and my dearest friend, the other Barry, got in his car, and he drove six hours one way to get to the church before I ever arrived there. And he hung on the pastor's office wall uh, a clock that was like a big wristwatch, and it's about this big. It's made of wood, and on the face of it, it has the hands, and then it has the praying hands, and it says, it's time for Jesus on it. 
He knew I would think that that came with the office and I wouldn't do anything with it. And so he called me later in the week and said, how do you like your office? And I said, well, it's an office. It's okay. Any interesting furnishings in your... I was so slow to catch on that he had done this thing. Well, I took that home and I have kept it ever since then, going on 19 years, in my garage on the wall that I face when I get in my truck every morning. And I see that. And I've kept it because it reminds me of my dearest friend who's no longer with me. Kept it because I just think it's funny. But also kept it because every day at a little after five when I go to my truck, I see that. And I'm reminded that it's time for Jesus. It's time for me once again to make the Jesus choice that it matters to my life and that it matters to some other people's lives too, whether I make that choice or not. The choice to follow Jesus, the choice to live as a disciple is a serious one. Billy Graham put it this way, salvation is free but discipleship costs everything we have. Salvation is free, but discipleship costs us everything we have. That was brutally true for the people in that crowd listening to Jesus the day our text tells about. Jesus knew that it would not be long before people who said yes to his invitation to follow him might be put out of their families, might be barred from their synagogue, might be hassled when they tried to go worship their God at the temple. Jesus knew that their lives could change drastically if they said yes, and so Jesus gives these hard words to make sure they knew what they were getting into. Jesus wanted them to know what lies ahead. You see, Jesus knew that not everyone was going to say yes to the invitation to follow. And Jesus also knew that when you've listened to him and heard the voice of God and said yes to the invitation, it's easy to forget that not everybody makes the same choice. So Jesus gives these hard words. You think I came to bring peace? No, I come to bring division. Division. Wherever the gospel is preached, decisions are made. And whenever decisions are made, divisions can come. That's what Jesus, I believe, is getting to in this strange text that's so difficult to get our mind around. He is wanting us to understand that formula, that when the gospel is preached, decisions are made. And when decisions are made, divisions can come. Some will believe. And some will not believe. And Jesus says sometimes those divisions can be as personal 
as family, fathers and sons and daughters and mothers and daughter-in-laws and mother-in-laws. And Jesus knows that's not easy. Sometimes those divisions can come in friendships in our life, where when we choose one path and our friends choose another, we drift apart and things change. That's never easy, and Jesus knows it. I grew up in a revivalist kind of tradition in our church. Uh, a couple of times a year, we would have a visiting evangelist come through and preach for a week. Anybody ever go to one of those kind of things? Yeah. Sometimes they put a big tent up and you go sit out there and see who got bit by the most mosquitoes. You want a Bible or something? I don't know why we do it outside when we had a perfectly good building, but we did. And it was always fun. I loved that stuff. You had some high-powered preacher and you had great music and people would come every night. It was really, really fun. And there's a story that lives in that tradition I heard from countless evangelists throughout the years. The story of a man who was successful, very well-known man in a community. He was not a Christian. And he was comfortable with that. He never pretended to be one. And he was quite open to the fact that one reason he didn't want to become a religious person was that it might make him look at how he did some things that have served him very well, and he didn't really want to change his life. But a particularly well-known evangelist was coming to the town that summer, and the whole town showed up, and that man came. And he listened to the great music, and he was caught up with the thundering from the pulpit by the guest evangelist, and at the altar call, he was caught up in the spirit and he came forward and he gave his life to Jesus. And everyone was thrilled and everyone celebrated and it was a powerful moment in the life of that community. Well, soon the revival is over and everybody's routine goes back to the norm. And the pastor of the church that hosted the revival realized he'd never seen that guy since. So he goes to his office and he just stops in and he asks if he could see him and he opened the door, welcomed him warmly, asked him to sit down, shut the door, sat down across from him and said, Preacher, what can I do for you? And the preacher said, I just want to check in with you, see how your new life is going. And the man said, it's going great. I've been a Christian three weeks and nobody's found it out. Jesus says that's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. To say yes to the Jesus choice is to commit ourselves to a life of discipleship that involves every aspect of our life. The world lies to us and tells us, oh yeah, you can be religious, but you don't have to let it affect anything in your life. The world lies to us and says, yeah, you can say you're a religious person, you're a Christian person, and then live by whatever values and support it, whatever kind of attitudes you want to. It doesn't matter. Those are two separate things. Sometimes that lie comes through the mouth of famous preachers, but guess what? It's still a lie. Jesus says when we follow him, we become disciples, and it affects everything 
in our life. Our call to be a disciple overrides any political agenda. It overrides any get along, go along to get along culture we might be in. The call to be a disciple becomes the most important thing in our life. It's about being true to following Jesus. That kind of living can bring opposition, Jesus says. It can bring division into our lives. But the good news is that kind of living is the way God brings light into the darkness of this world and light into the darkness of people's lives around us. The life of a disciple is how God's truth breaks into the chaos of the world. When we live the life of a disciple, that's how God works to bring hope to a despairing world. It's worth it, Jesus says, to follow. As if that text isn't difficult enough, then Jesus turns meteorologist on us at the end of that. Did you catch that? You see a cloud growing up in the west, you know it's going to rain. You feel that wind shift and it's coming from the south, you know it's going to be another miserable, hot Texas summer day. He says, why do you pay attention to those things and miss the most important thing? Those signs matter. You've got to know when to plant, when to harvest, and what to plan. Jesus says there are signs all around us that now is the time to make the Jesus choice. You know, when we make that choice, we find ourselves doing things and standing for things that other people in our life might not do and might not stand for. And on the other side of that coin, we may find that we do not do some things and do not sit still for some things that people in our lives do. And that can cause division, even in as personal a relationship as our families. But the good news of the gospel is, when we say yes to Jesus, when we make the Jesus choice, we get brought into another family, the church. A family that supports that decision and prays for us in that decision, encourages us and inspires us in that decision. We become a part of another family where other people are trying their best to follow that same path. And together, we're faithful to the call to be disciples. Together, we're humbled, and together, we serve. It's always time, as my clock says in the garage, it's always time for Jesus. May we choose, and may we follow. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen.